Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so please make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Rai. And guten Morgen! I am one of your <laughs> other hosts, Chris! <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, well, well, welcome back to another great episode of Left for Dread. This week, we are reviewing Goodnight Mommy, which is a 2014 uh, Austrian horror film directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. Um, and this was a award-winning film. It was, it was selected as Best Foreign Language Film for the 88th Academy Awards. So congrats, Goodnight Mommy. Yeah! So this was my first time seeing this movie. This was my first time as well. Okay. Um, my one thing that I saw when I was doing a little bit of background for this was that there were so many reviews that were like, oh, I didn't see the ending coming. And I was like, how, 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 how? I think I, I said, I texted you this and I will post screenshots to prove it. I said, I'm 11 minutes into this movie and I'm calling it. And I did. And I was right, with the exception of, like, one thing. I think it's just because, like, it's not really often that a horror film gets recognized enough to, to win an Academy Award, foreign or otherwise. I feel like horror, I mean, like, I mean, this is the same case with, like, Marvel movies and superhero movies, where in the critic circle, there's such a bias against genre film in general. Um, and this film didn't feel like a genre film. It felt very art house, very avant-garde. And I feel like, I, I mean, I'm not sure what circles of reviewers and critics you were reviewing, but my uh, temp check on the matter is like the people who are doing those type of reviews, maybe they're not as familiar with common tropes of horror films. Cause like the, the big reveal spoilers, you know, we'll, We'll, we'll get into that, but spoilers, that's a common thing you find a lot in horror films and psychological thrillers. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, like, that kind of irritated me. I was like, are you trying to, like, placate to someone by saying you didn't see it coming? Because I thought it was very obvious. But what I do think that whether you know it's coming or not, what I think that this film really achieves well is the misdirection it puts you through throughout this entire movie. It's like a masterclass in misdirection, I think. Yes, and tension. Oh my god, so much tension. Yes. Uh, so before we go further, uh, Rai, how about we give a quick recap for anyone who, who's listening and decided to not watch the film or they need a refresher. All right. Um, so, Goodnight Mommy is pretty much uh, goes around two boys who are having this knee-jerk reaction to their mom coming home from some surgery. There is, there, there, it's implied to be some sort of accident. We never really know what the accident was. Well, so here's the thing. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, but mom comes back from some surgery of some kind, and the boys... Uh, facial reconstructive surgery, by the way. Yes. So she's covered in bandages. So there seems to be this belief that it's not the real mother. She's an imposter. Movie that unfolds is this endurance-filled, tension-filled ride 
that you go through with these two boys. And that's like bare bones, like very generic synopsis. And much of the tension in the thriller comes from the fact that um, the boys are like really, really young. I I would say what like uh, maybe like 10, 10, 10 to twelve years old. Um, they're isolated. They live like in the country, uh, in Germany. They live in this mausoleum, this house that's like it's both expansive yet confined and oppressive at the same time. And then you have this mother figure where you for a lot of the film you see this it's like it's like uh she steps out of old classic grim germanic fairy tales like she's like the evil stepmother she's cold and distant and you can't when you try to look from it at least from the first first act definitely and from the kid's standpoint like you could see why they, they distrust her um, and while there's so much tension and doubt, and it's like it's this the tension of knowing someone your whole your your whole life, and then someone and then they 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 some accident happens and they never really came back in in, in the way that you remember, especially when you're a child, where uh, you're still formulating uh, those key developmental phases um, in terms of relationships between your significant others your family your friends and basically like these kids are all alone with their mother and this for a significant part of the film they play the mother as like this cold distant figure so yeah okay so i want to just dive right in because i feel like there are a couple of different things to look at here particularly when it comes to mother I know that there was an accident, but I think the accident is referring to, again, spoiler for the 65 millionth time, I think that the accident is referring to how Lucas died, not what happened to her, because there are photos in the house of her face with, like, cosmetic surgery marks on it. So, and she doesn't have anything on the rest of her body. It's not like she was in a full body cast or anything like that. It was just her face. It was just her face. So I think that this was like planned cosmetic surgery that just happened to coincide with this tragic loss of a child and then a separation and a loss of a career, like all at the same time. Oh, I, I, I actually, I literally just had a thought. Yeah. Um... Remind me, the, the details are fuzzy. It seems that dad is still alive. He's just not in the picture or he left the yeah. family. Is that correct? Yeah, I think there was a, a separation or divorce. Okay. So like I, dad's I, not I don't at want the to house. take it to like hashtag to real kind of territory. But like what if, I don't, re- again, I don't remember. They, they, they mentioned the dad very, very little. What, what could have been possible? Like, she could have gotten, like, reconstructive surgery because, like, the, the husband was abusive to her? Is that is that a, a reading that's too far-fetched or not? Um, well, I would be inclined to believe that, but it seemed like the sequence of events that happened, especially after the, the boys come back with the priest, because they ask the priest or the to who shows up to return the boys, like, Does she want to explain why they're behaving this way? She says, you know, between the accident and the separation 
and everything, I think this is all just like a little bit overwhelming. So I think it was after they lost Lucas that the dad left. Because I think that's the way she says it to the priest. All right, good to know. All right. Yeah. I mean, this, this movie plays a lot in like subtlety and it, it leaves a lot of things open-ended, um, which I, I'm not I'm not criticizing. Like, I love that aspect of it. That's why we're having this episode right now because it just and it just generates good dialogue good conversation about ways you can read the film yeah i think that the the sleight of hand that this movie uses isn't to its detriment at all i don't think it takes away from it because i think that this is where even though i i knew that one of the boys was dead i don't think that even if you know it's coming it's not it's almost not the point because the way they constantly misdirect you from the way the boys are behaving and the question of, and, and, and questioning whether or not one or both of them are there, it misdirects you to the way the mom is behaving the entire time. Like there is something wrong with her and you almost start to believe it in a sense. Yeah, and then it's not until like the third act where... You realize the kid is batshit fucking crazy because he he suffered a tremendous loss. Yeah. Exactly. And then like the mom, you know, she was just trying her best. Like, and okay, so we'll fast forward. I mean, we already mentioned it. The two, the twins, the kids, uh, their names are uh, uh, Lucas and Elias. Um, and we see, we, we see so many breadcrumbs in the beginning, like hinting that there's something off with the kids or there's something, or what, something terrible has happened. Like two particular scenes, you know, the kids are just playing uh, out by themselves in the middle of the woods playing. Um, the two boys enter the cave and then Elias uh, calls out to his brother Lucas and there's no response. And then there's another scene right at the very beginning where... Uh, Elias is chilling on a float, like a, a raft, uh, in the middle of the lake, and he's calling out to his brother again, Lucas, Lucas, and there's no response. And you just see like, uh, nearby from the um uh, in the water, the bubbles, like, uh, bu- the bubbles. So like, Lucas maybe drowned. Maybe that's how he. Actually that's how. That's exactly died. what I think. That's what I, how I think he died. I think it was. An, I think it was either. So here's the thing. I don't know if Elias or Elias had these tendencies while Lucas was alive. Because I think the kid knows his way around a fire. So I think one of two things happened. Because don't forget, mom freaks out when she sees a lighter in his room and we don't really know why. And based on what happens at the end of the movie, the kid obviously knows what he's doing. Yeah, so, so maybe this kid had, like, destructive behaviors to begin with. Either he had destructive behaviors to begin with and, like, let his kid brother drown just to see what would happen. Or it was truly an accident and the only way his fragile baby mind could cope was to pretend like he was still there. And it sounds like mom tried to do it too and maybe this is why the husband left because as we later find out... She was laying out two breakfasts, two lunches, two dinners, two sets of clothes, like pretending that Lucas was still alive because Elias still saw him. And then so, she stopped. And then she stopped because she was like, no, he has to get over it. It's not, she was trying to get her life back. And I think that that was why 
it was cosmetic surgery. In her own way, she was trying to give some tough love. And like, I, I'm not that familiar with German culture, German norms or mores. So I didn't know if it was a cultural thing or maybe, I, again, I don't want to like typecast, but maybe like some German, like uh, German parents might be stricter on their kids. I don't know. Or maybe it's just a general parental thing. I'm not a parent. Uh, parents out there, you can tell me, you can at me. <laughs> but um, but um, but that being said, uh, you're right, rise right. Like um, at, after a certain point, the mom, she decided to like put her foot down give some tough love and she didn't want to cultivate like this this delusion she wanted to make elias know or come to terms that his brother is dead it's only her and elias now but elias at this point he's far gone he sincerely believes lucas is still alive and no matter what uh the mom could say or could do or could plead no amount of quote-unquote evidence would ever be good enough for them to convince them that oh was not her mother i think they got close i think they got close i don't know i don't know it's hard to say i think that all the doubts and maybe maybe the the negative side of elias that was there when his brother died which makes me think maybe it wasn't an accident maybe he was like holding him underwater because they were playing or something like that maybe it started out as something like semi-malicious and ended up being just like this freak accident maybe that side of him manifested itself in how he sees his dead brother because there are moments especially when they have mom tied to the bed where Elias is going to let her go, and then Lucas comes back. And he's like, no, no, wait, like, why, why exactly. are you lying to me? We, we agreed. We, we, we have to keep going, keep going farther. And then there's, there's, there's tender moments where, where Elias, you could, you could, this is just massive credit to the kid actors they casted. Oh, yeah. Uh, you could see Elias, like, start to feel, like, empathy and remorse and so, like, something akin to, like, affection. But then... Um, Lucas comes Lucas, back. Lucas steps yeah. in and, like, and tears it all apart. Uh, there was a one scene, they were watching a video of the mom, and they were looking at her eyes. It's like, oh, her eyes are different. Um, and then the mom explained, well, I, I wear colored contacts. Um, and then it cuts to the scene in the bathroom where Elias is trying to look for these contacts. And then Lucas walks in and starts uh, berating him, like, hey, uh, why are you lying to me? We agreed that we wouldn't trust her. Um, and then they, he starts literally fighting with himself. They, they start fighting each other uh, in the bathroom. And then a second later, both of them have... They're like mirror reflections of each other. They, they each have a bloody nose. I, I thought if it was the mom watching them, uh, like an omniscient third-person view, it would have been like right out of Fight Club or... you know, He would have been hitting Durden, himself. Just, just beating himself up. Yep. I think, and I think also why I sort of admire the misdirection that this film uses is in its subtleties and it's what plants that seed of doubt. Like, it's the same seed of doubt that Elias has planted in his head that manifests itself in Lucas that drives him to behave the way he behaves. But he goes into the bathroom to look for the contacts that his mom said were in there and he never finds them. He leaves the bathroom without the contacts. He comes back and there are no contacts. Like, he never finds them. And I think even that just teeny tiny little bit of doubt 
or like the beauty mark that she drew on to like help help him and like mm-hmm. help him be like mom got surgery but I'm still like there. It's all of these teeny tiny little things where you're like, oh holy shit, maybe maybe mom's really not like there. She gives such a flimsy reason or excuse about the photos. Like, who is this? Oh, it's a friend. We dress together all the time. It's like, okay. I could see on the other side whether that could be a, a load of baloney or true. But, I mean, context is everything. Uh, and w- right. without context, you know, you could be, you could, you could, you could easily side with Lucas and Elias where you, you, you just don't trust them. You right. You just don't trust her. And then it was, um, like what was what was Lucas's favorite song, or um, you know they started quizzing her on these things that their real mom would know, and she's having trouble articulating the answers. Now, I I don't know about you, but if I'm scared out of my mind because my sadistic child is hovering over me with glue and scissors and a microscope where they're, like, burning my face. I'm not going to be able to think very straight either. Oh, no. Like, she was she was under severe duress and stress. There's a reason why coerced confessions don't work. Yes. Because uh, people it's will say proven. anything to get whatever you're doing to stop. So that's, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. But even in that moment, that little bit of doubt, you sit there and you go, oh, like you start to believe Elias and understand where he's coming from, which is why, again, the fact that I knew the brother was dead the whole time doesn't even bother me. It's these little teeny tiny things that this director did that just made it so good. The mom, she's stuck in a Kobayashi Maru. She's she has no way out. Like, oh yeah, and, and, and like, like on one hand, like of course she she wants to get out of that terrible situation. So it, it's totally nat- it's totally rational for her to try to escape her kids uh, at the opportune moment. And so that that scene was oh. she wet the bed, and the um the kids are pointing a crossbow at at her and ordering her to change the sheets. She throws the sheets, starts running out of the house. Um, and the, the doors are locked because they stole the keys. And like, okay, of course you want to get away. The, 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 my kid is, is going to try to kill me. They already burnt holes in my face. And, but the kids, I swear, these, these kids are like, they're, 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 they're both sides of Macaulay Culkin. They have like the ingenuity of, of Kellen McAllister with like all these tools and, and traps. The, and, and, and like the, the sadistic of, of him and the good son. Yeah. Yes. That's what I was thinking while I was watching this movie. It was so because like the kid like um I forget I forget it was Lucas or Elias, but one of them always carries around a tool belt with like scissors and gauze and and tape. And then there's a scene where they're in their their, their workshop or the tool shed and they're just, they're just cutting like chicken wire. And it doesn't pay off until the end where the mom escapes and oh. she trips over the wire, smashes her faces in, and her then now she's, she's a de- face that she literally just got done. Right, right, oh. and then and, and she's a goner because she ran, which is the most sensible thing to do. But now that just confirms her quote unquote guilt with the kids. You know, it's 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 ingenious. It's it's terrifying because there's no way out. This film like was just so clearly like engineered to exploit. Your like most cringeworthy phobias. Yeah, why why is it a thing that 
in, in horror movies that evil twins or scary twins are just just the most I, terrifying first of all ever. that is like one of my favorite i love twins as like a thing in do you know where movies? that trope came from besides the shining i have no yeah idea. besides the shining or or is there is there some like mystical greek myth about well twins? it's not or- a mystical greek myth it's actually kind of uh sadistic the nazis used to do experiments on twins because yeah because they used to think that they like they're uh, there i wish i did more background about this but i've heard about this they used to think that like there was something with twins i don't know that that had to do with their genes that just like made them i want to say either superior or a threat it was one of the two but they did a lot of experiments on like twins wow yeah so it's kind of sad in that sense oh so maybe that's where it came from i don't know i don't know but i know that that was a a, a thing going to towards like biblical myth and theology what was um oh god what was his name cain uh, the, the two brothers cain and abel uh, cain and abel were they twins no i think they were just brothers they're just brothers okay yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll do some research, and if there's any historians or theologians who, or mythical scholars who, uh, who can help us solve this mystery, we would love to hear from you. Okay, so here's what happened. Twins obviously come from the same bloodline, we know this. So Joseph Men- Mengele, I think is how you say his name. Oh, the, the geneticist? Yeah, he was a physician. He had a program in Nazi Germany where he used twins as unwilling medical subjects in experiments. It was under the guise of, like, medical research. So twins were separated in the camps, and one of them was, like, the control, and the other one had everything done to them between, like, amputations, injections of, like, disease, dissections, blood transfusions, a whole, yeah, a whole other shit. So, yes, the Nazis did, I knew it was not for, yeah, so the Nazis did experiments on twins. And I knew there was, like, a whole thing with them and twins. Like, that much I remembered, I just, I honestly couldn't remember why. I should have realized because they were Nazis it was more sadistic. But I don't know where the origin of like twins and horror movies came from. We should re- we should do some more research about this because I want to watch like all the twins and horror movies now. Okay, you watch. know what? We'll have a twin a twin themed uh, <laughs> we'll episode. Have a twin themed episode. Okay. Yes, we're 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 doing it. <laughs> I do I do think that it's interesting that apparently this director is sort of like known for punishing not punishing but like actually it was kind of, it's like kind of like punishing humans like the study of human despair and that is this movie like all over it yes i love it like <laughs> the depth of human despair to like the umph degree like the loss of a child the loss of a twin um the loss of sense of self because you don't look a certain way anymore. You don't have a husband and you have to put your house up for sale. Like all of these things. There, It's again, it's like, it's hashtag too real. It deals with concepts that are just incredibly relatable to everyday life. But it just, it just pushes the envelope a bit 
where it just it just gets to like oh oh no this is bad <laughs> oh yeah and oh i think that that's that's what i was saying before is that this movie sort of like made to exploit phobias of all kinds be- uh, between like your traditional like creepy ca- crawlies like insects or um like not like not recognizing someone else there is the whole thing that they did with her mouth that i really had an issue watching i have a thing well, with teeth her su- oh, the, they, they super glued her mouth and... no, no no not that the thing with her with her teeth oh my god Wait, yeah what, what was she what was that was like a i don't dude, know okay i had okay. a look i have a thing with teeth so like in, like in all honesty i have nightmares where like my teeth fall out and it like wakes me up so I have a thing with like teeth. So when that happened, I shit you not, Chris, I stopped watching. I like closed my eyes and I looked Too away real. because I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm just, I was like, that was one of those things where like, oh shit, this kid is just not This normal. kid is like, a sick fuck. <laughs> you're like, like again, it's Kevin McAllister as the ultimate sociopath. Cause like they, I, okay. Uh, for j- just to describe what happens. No, no, go ahead. I'm fine with you describing it. I just, I can't watch it. That's so here's the thing. That's part of the reason why I only watched this movie once because there was enough that unsettled me that I'm like, I think I'm okay for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I just, I need a double ice cream and some, some, some wine and stuff. But yeah, I don't, I don't like this kid must've like looked up or some torture methods on the internet or he's just really creative and sadistic because i think he's he, just really creative yeah because i think and, he and, and he has killed his brother <laughs> and and yeah he's 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 home alone they're home alone and then they, they have a tool shed so he, he takes like a wooden dowel sticks it in her mouth and they're doing something with a pair of floss and like she's that you see it a little bit on her close up on the face but then it cuts to like uh, a shot away from them and she's just you could just hear her yelling and crying and screaming and it's like oh i don't know what's going on it's it sounds terrible and it sounds terrifying because it's like it's a method of torture you can do with everyday objects and like floss who tortures people with floss kids 12 year old twins children children yes it's crazy this whole thing was just so unsettling and like to the to the bones like i it was i was so unsettling to watch i don't think i could breathe till the end of the movie they're all dead right see that it's it's very strange and very there's two ways to look at it in my opinion let's let's do a recap so at the end uh, after the mom tries to escape and she face plants because they Ugh. laid down to tripwire. Oh, and that new face, that new face. The new face. You just like, you oh. heard the sound it made when she tripped. Oh, oh. yeah. It's oh, very. Oh, it's it's not gory, but it's like it's still visceral. It's so visceral because yeah. You just... As if the, she wakes up, they glued her. They glued her to the floor. Um, they have a whole bunch of candles. They. They Which emptied. I'm sorry, they have a whole bunch of candles, and he knew exactly what to do to light the house on fire. This kid has absolutely set fires before. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then, and then, and okay. the creepy masks. The cre- the creepy masks. The fact that the they still had the cat, the dead in the cat. tank, the but they replaced cat. it a dead cat that they found, but they 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 found a stray, and then they later found it dead behind. Like the heater, so they assume so the mother we killed sure it. So sure it's dead. I who knows? 
I we don't know. I mean, because the, either either the kid killed it or he killed it when he drowned it, like he did his brother. Because yes. Because of all oh. things to do with the cat, he stuck oh. it in a tank of water. My God, the fearful symmetry. I could tell. You know what? I can, I totally I totally could see that read. Um, <laughs> it's just it's so. Cr- oh. I mean, just to make it worse, like the kid took out the time to. Okay, well, either one is a hallucination, or two, um, he literally emptied the tank and filled it with kerosene or gasoline. Because as soon as he drops the match, the candle uh, into the, the 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 tank with the cat, th- it starts burning. It starts burning. And it lights up like yeah. the Fourth of fucking July. Yes. Um. So the twins, uh, Elias, gives the mom one last chance. Uh, she, he starts. He starts. He sets the tank on fire. He sets the couch on fire. Um, and he's asking uh, the mom. He he actually pleads. He pleads with the mom, like, "Please prove that you're my mom." And then he. And then the final test was. Uh, he asks her, "What is Lucas doing?" And she can't. She can't answer that because she can't see what Elias sees. Elias is like, "Okay." Uh, you're still not my mom, and uh, this is happening. So he walks over, lights the curtains on fire. The entire building goes into flames, uh, and then the tank explodes and fills it with burning gasoline. The mom starts burning to death. We see the last we see the kids is we see a flash of them like jumping over the mom who's still burning, and we don't really know what happened. Like they could have been trapped in the fire. Because some of the doors were still, probably still locked. But I would say, to counterpoint, maybe the kids still had the keys on them. Um, it, I think they were still wearing the, the tool belt. Um, or they escaped. Um, and they, well, they're just somewhere. Well, only Elias escaped because Lucas oh, has yeah. been dead yes. the whole time. Yes, Elias so, escaped. So, I, I think, yeah, I think that, I mean, me personally, I think they're all dead. Because there's no, I I think they're all dead. Um, yeah, because the the ending, the ending is like super surreal and Twilight Zone and picturesque in a creepy way. Yeah, but here's the other thing though, like you actually can see Mom leaving the house in the. I saw that. It's like dress. wait, there's someone in the nightgown leaving the house. Yeah, that we see her in at the end. But the the thing of it is, is one. Of, I think this this probably went one of two ways. Either he died, and the end is sort of like the like epitome of the afterlife, and they're all there together, and they're all happy, and that's exactly what he wanted, or he has gone further into his delusion now that he's killed his mother and this is what he's seeing. He's seeing her the way he remembers her just like it's the way he remembers his brother. And he survived the fire. It's one of the two. But I I, personally think they're all dead. Because the kid scared the shit out of me and I would really just like it if he just like (laughs) died in the fire with everything. And I don't say that about children. But like I would just really like it if he stayed there. I feel like Elias is too clever to like not have an escape plan. Um, even even though even though they were scared, like oh shit, like this this place is blazing up. Like I right, feel but like- then who's left? What is he going to do? Go back to his dad's house and say, "Well, I had a grand old time." Oh no, he's he screwed up. He screwed up for the rest of his life. I'm not disputing that. Like he's he, he might be stuck in the social system. He might be stuck in like a no. His dad's going like, to take it, him. His dad's still alive for right now. Yeah, or, or or maybe maybe he maybe he just lives in the cornfields now. 
Um, <laughs> he lives in the cornfields with his brother and his mom. Uh, I mean, we we could I mean, you could theorize. We don't know, and I love that open ended uh, ending. I, it's just it's great, and it's so creepy. Um, like I don't know what it is, but like sometimes like Christian hymns, it's all about context. It's all about connotation. Like the way they sing it, and like the way, like the lyrics is just it's like it's really eerie and surreal and kind of menacing and like like the the way it ends it, it, it focuses on the mom and the two kids look at the camera smiling they and just like make a, direct eye contact with it's the just, camera it's just oh. such a weird painted fake insane smile and it just they just hold it they hold it for like a minute and then it then like fades to like embers burning uh, I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, I dig that ending. Uh, it's it's it got under my skin. It was great. This whole movie got under my skin. I think I think what I really value about this is that it taps into like one of the most primal fears you can experience in a relationship was that the person that you're with and that you love so much is who they is who they are one day and then the next day they could be a totally different person and i think that that translates all over the movie between the kid not really understanding why his mom looks like that uh, because of a very huge lack of communication on their part like they never sat down and talked about lucas's death she just sort of moved on with life so did elias what else did you think a kid was going to do and, so, and the fact that um like they're they're so isolated. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, they're in the middle of the country. As far as we know, they don't have any other kids their age. And while we we see the entire movie uh, with Elias and Lucas together, we'd never see a scene where, like, I feel like in other movies, they would they would clue to it where, um, like, for example, I, I recently we watched Fight Club. Um, so in the final twist, uh, we see... All the scenes where the narrator thought he was interacting with with Tyler Durden, but it, and they do really quick shots where it's the narrator beating up himself or the narrator handing a beer to to no one. But we'd never get that exposition or or that that alternate view at the end. Um, it, it always stays consistent. Um, yeah, but they did, but there was one teeny tiny little thing that they gave you, but it was so minute that, oh, wait, was it the scene where, um, uh, they're, they're in the living room and then like Lucas is, Lucas steps out behind from Elias and it's like, there's like, it was just Elias and then it was Elias and Lucas. Well, no, I was going to say it was when mom gave him a toy to play with and it was a boomerang because that's a solo toy. Mm. Oh yes, that too. Yeah. Uh, just it's just it's that, so like, it's just so it's just so tiny it's so tiny or, or the fact that the mom always addressed elias first um and not lucas because i mean i mean we we, we thought like the mom was just being a jerk to the kid or just being cold but it's like oh no lucas wasn't there the entire time i mean yeah there's obviously a whole thing with miscommunication and like the whole relationship between mother and son has forever changed because of what happened. But this definitely plays on your worst, on that fear in a relationship. Because after this, she also like lost a husband, which is a whole other kind of relationship. The relationship between mother and son is like every new mom's like nightmare fuel in this movie. 
and the mom herself, she oh, she's no peach either. Yeah, she and she isolates herself out of choice because like she she's always stuck or she she always chooses to be stuck in the house. She I, she pretended I'll, to be asleep when he came in. Yes, because remember like, she, she like sat up to start eating, and I was like, oh, yeah, she starts bitch. eating crackers. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> no one's perfect in this movie. No, no, no one. But I think the least perfect person in this movie is is the kid. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! It takes this like wonderful traditional family dynamic and turns it into a total nightmare this was yeah. good but it was good like and it, it, it I, was... I i think i need time before i watch this again if i ever do it, it was and it, like it, it it's such it's such a master class in misdirection like when you look at the poster the poster is the two kids and they're like shaded in like the most ghastly shade of red and like their eyes are like i love black that with white irises i so love like, that oh, poster. Shit. it's it's a good poster and then look at the first like 40 minutes it's a very very slow burn and it's like oh these kids are great these kids are just yeah they, they get into trouble but you know these kids seem good overall and then they start peeling back the layers and especially when they start like imprisoning their mom and you're like oh oh no <laughs> these kids are not all right <laughs> they like oh and with the red cross people that came to the house and they were like oh we'll just wait till your mom gets home and they're like no it's okay and she's upstairs with a sock in her mouth screaming it was <laughs> bad news bears <laughs> and like, um, yeah <laughs> I, I, I had I wanted to throw something at you. I this just occurred to me, uh, or, or earlier, like ten minutes ago. Um, so we reviewed uh, a f- a Korean film, uh, not too long ago, called A Tale of Two Sisters. Uh, we're talking about the South Korean version. Uh, and there's a little yeah. We're not bit talking of, about uh, that the American garbage. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the OG Korean version, and there's uh, a lot of similar plot beats and tropes and uh, and symmetry between this and goodbye mommy like the fact that um the sisters aren't twins but they're very very close um uh, and then we also find out eventually that the the kids or one of the kids is a is an aspect of dissociative identity disorder or split personality much like lucas and elias um um this is brought on by incredible guilt um, we realize that the, the, the daughters aren't quite all right. And there's also incredible f- friction between, um, a mother figure that they don't quite trust or understand or, um, so I wanted to get your th- read on that. I know it's kind of been a, a while since, uh, we watched it or we, we haven't watched it recently, but, uh, what do you think about, uh, Goodnight Mommy in relationship to, a Tale of Two Sisters, and or just any other films you can think of that are are somewhat similar. I want to say they're almost incomparable because of the uh, psychiatric disorder aspect of it. In terms of the twist, what I think A Tale of Two Sisters uh, exceeds in that Goodnight Mommy doesn't is that 
you genuinely don't know that the sister's dead the whole time. Because they're, the way that that movie is put together, it looks like she's always addressing both of them. And because we already know that one of them is just a little bit more quiet than the other, we don't think anything of it. But it always looks like the stepmother is looking in both of their general directions. In Goodnight Mommy, there's too many clues that Lucas is dead for you to buy into it. But there is so much more misdirection in that movie than there is in A Tale of Two Sisters. And then so and I think also we're the Tale of one... Two Sisters acknowledges supernatural elements. We, we find out like the ghost is real. Yeah, yeah. Where this, where this does not. There are no supernatural elements. This is just pure psychological horror. And I think that one where one succeeds, the other one not fails, but like, like makes up for it. So, like, where one fails in the sort of misdirection of a film, the other one picks up. And where one fails in the whole shocking twist of a sibling being dead, the other one picks up the slack, so to speak. So, they almost balance each other out in that sense. They're comparable, but it's like apples and oranges. They yeah, both I mean, have, also, I mean, you know. The, yeah, because, like, they're two different directors, two different uh sensibilities two different cultures like this is a um a german film or austrian film and then you know this is all then the other the tale of two sisters is a uh a korean film so yeah but they both achieve what they need to achieve mm-hmm. cool well i just i, I know that was like that was a, a curveball but I, I just i uh i wanted to get no i hadn't even thought that. about it and it should have been the first thing <laughs> it's all good <laughs> um cool well i i I don't think I have anything else to say. I don't have anything uh, bad to say about it. Was this like one of my favorites? Like, n- no, but it was good. And if someone needs like an unnerving movie to watch, I I will absolutely tell you to watch this because it the cringe factor is real for this movie. I was so disturbed. Mm-hmm. Like, the level um, that Chris was disturbed for Poughkeepsie tapes, I was disturbed during oh. this movie. <laughs> like, this was fucking, I, ooh, mm, mm. It's why I only watched it once. Not because I didn't like it, but because I literally could not bring myself to watch it again, like, two days after the fact, or, like, a day after the fact. Just like, I couldn't do it. Yeah. For, um, for me, like, I, I, I'm very glad um, that I experienced this movie, um... You know, this is a a foreign horror film, which we've done a handful, but we still haven't really scratched the surface. So it was really interesting um, to to absorb this experience. Uh, the subject matter was dark and riveting and fascinating and fucking uh, twisted. That, yes. Um, that being said, this is probably not a movie I would rewatch again. Like. Um, not, not because I didn't like it, but like it, it, it got under my skin. Um, I don't think it, I don't think I was as uncomfortable with it as Poughkeepsie tapes. Um, but this, I, like how I consume movies is I, I consume like comfort food. Like I just watch like the same horror movies and just generic movies like over and over and over again. This is not one of those films. Um, yeah, it, I don't think this joins the wheelhouse of 
Oh, I'm going to put this on in the background because I've seen... No, no. This isn't one of those movies. This is so unsettling. This is the type of movie where you're like, hey, hey, uh, you want to see something fucked up? And then yeah. you just delight... You don't even watch the movie. You watch the other person who you're introducing to and you want, you see them squirm and you just delight in your short crowd. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, just so much... Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well... Right. What uh? What rating would you give this film? I would say I would say um, a three point eight out of five creepy twin masks. Yeah, like a solid three point eight because it's not quite at a four because because of how obvious I thought the supposed twist was, but everything else was just right there. It was just it was right there. uh i would give it four out of five tubes of super glue uh (laughs) um uh like i what it didn't bother me like that the break there were so many breadcrumbs um i thought i thought the beginning was really slow and i understand why the pacing was slow. It's like to build tension and to lure lure into a lure you into a, like a set uh, false sense of security before like the bad shit crazy stuff happens. But um, the first forty minutes, it's just is like slice of life stuff. Um, not now. Like I'm not. I mean, slice of life stuff is great. Um, and that was important in establishing the setting and like the who the characters are and how they relate and then it just it just builds the foundation for acts two and three where things get really off the rails um and i felt like parts of it dragged like for at least the first 30 minutes like some points were like okay where is this going like or is there anything i wasn't bored but like there wasn't anything quite going on it was very very under the surface like stuff that was that was co-mingling and uh interacting with each other and it doesn't pay off until like the second and third act so you got you like you have to like stick through it um and even though this movie was like an hour 40 minutes long that first act for me seemed to drag really long and then um then and then once, all like, of a sudden the movie was over right well, then, then yeah, and then like when it gets to the second, third act, like things start to move, things start to escalate really quickly, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, this this is all happening, okay, and I was like, so that's like a very t- teeny tiny criticism of mine. Yeah, where, like, I it's felt like sort the of first like act. It's sort of like the whole movie, where like a vast majority of the movie is kind of like running a mile. You have to take your time, slow and steady, and then at the end, it's like a fucking sprint. You're just it's you're gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, four out of five glue sticks. <laughs> That's what I would give it. So, so, so cringe. But I really want one of those masks, but like, so cringe. Uh, so we're going to have a social distancing arts and craft day where we'll just Skype with each other and make some masks. And yeah, then, uh, and I got to tell you, because I'm not artistically inclined in the least, it'll look exactly like a 10-year-old made it. Yeah. <laughs> so therefore, it's accurate. <laughs> it'll be very accurate. It'll be great. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> On that note.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Yes, and thank you again for listening. I hope everyone's staying safe out there. Hope you're not stuck in a house with a pair of twins. (laughs) Fuck, I do too. Stay tuned next week where Chris and I are discussing The Void from 2016. The Void. I've never seen that one, so I'm excited. I, I'm I'm always excited, so it's gonna be great. It's, it's gonna be a good time. So enjoy. Hope you uh, hope you enjoy this episode and stay safe out there. And um, your homework assignment is to watch the void. And don't forget, stay, stay dreadful. dreadful. <laughs>